Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I, it's all brain worms in here. Um, yeah. You said Tears of the Kingdom, and my mind flashed to something that came through my Instagram stories this morning, which was uh, Rule 34, Link, and Ganondorf from Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> and I think that's the end of our nugget segment. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> to Can't Let It Go, a deep dive into things stuck in our heads. My name is Matt. I use he, him pronouns. Hey, I'm AC. I use they, them pronouns. And today we are going to talk about maybe something like that's more of a downer than what we've done in the past. Um, yeah. But I think is something that you and I are interested in and have feelings about, which is the whole premise Very of the show. Very much us reaching for intellectualism yeah maybe <laughs> to 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 cope with um how pissed off we are about this yeah that's that's the real thing we're talking about tiktok bands today TikTok. yeah i am real pissed off about it for a bunch of reasons that we'll get into yeah but first we actually both have a nugget today mm-hmm. so we'll see we're gonna see which one's more we're interesting <laughs> ac what is your <laughs> nugget for the day okay the thing that i cannot stop thinking about is okay Piss boy king Elon Musk. <laughs> okay. Really said, I'm gonna buy Twitter. I'm gonna disrespect all of the rules of Twitter. I'm gonna make myself a a god king of this app and get all of the people who like me to pay for this app to make themselves seem better. They're all going to be very upset that their engagement doesn't go up just because they've subscribed to Twitter Blue because they can't wrap their heads around the fact that their content is just bad. And then on top of it all, this man really said, I'm going to go toe to toe against drill. Oh my Meme God. Meme God <laughs> drill. And I think Matt, I don't really have a lot more to say about it other than I needed to say out loud that that is a thing that is true. And that the hubris of this man is so great that he thought he could challenge drill and win when historically everything shows us that the random guy named Paul, who is Drill, <laughs> right? His name is Paul. I don't Peter. remember. It's one of the two P biblical names. I think yeah. it's Paul. That this guy, whose name I can't even remember, he's just Drill. It It's so silly to me. Yeah. I could never, I would never. The idea that Elon thinks he has the cultural <laughs> clout to... Like even go against drill is, is wild to me. Like drill is not drill. Drill is not like in the mainstream still. Right. I would say like, unless you're aware of what happens on Twitter, you probably don't know who drill right. is, but drill has sure. infinitely more cultural significance than Elon Musk. A hundred percent. And also like the other pieces, if you are not even a power user of Twitter, if you are someone who has casually been on Twitter mm-hmm. on a regular basis, for the last 10 years, even if you like, if I say drill and you don't know who drill is, if I showed you a drill tweet, like of the of the top 20 greatest hits of drill, you would recognize at least one of them, right? Like, it is so part of the internet. Drill is, I don't even know, like, where to start with the references. I don't know. He's the OG I'm just going to leave it at weird that. Twitter guy. 
right? Perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Before we found out that horse ebooks was a weird brand, before <laughs> like Hair Stearns Bravo. <laughs> yeah, right? Before everybody else turned out to be some weird gimmick, yeah. there was Drill. And Drill is just still some guy saying weird stuff online. And I love that about him. And you know what? Drill took Elon for a ride, and Elon just embarrassed himself over and over again. So I mean, I think on a regular basis about how um like personally embarrassing any num like any one of the things that Elon Musk has gained notoriety for would be personally embarrassing to me at a level where you'd simply never hear from me again. <laughs> and he does it over and over. And I think that is there, there's just this amazing. brand of person in like the last 10 years that just it has no shame in the worst way. Right. Yeah. No They're, sense of self-preservation. Exactly. Right. And they get away with it. I don't yeah. I don't understand it. They don't have a sense of self-preservation because somehow they don't have to. Anyway, that's what I keep thinking about this week. And um, I don't really want to spend uh, okay. any more time thinking about it. <laughs> oh, man, I just got sad. Um, oh, no. I'm going to mention something. It's not really a nugget. I just have to talk about it really quick. Um, <laughs> the uh, the thing I was going to say was fuck Elon. And that yeah. reminded me of uh, Waypoint, the Vice's games division, which their mm. podcast um, sort of sign off for yeah. years has been uh, fuck capitalism, go home. And yeah. uh, they all got laid off this week after Very years of feeling like they were going to get laid off and not and never happening and then getting promised yeah. they wouldn't this time. The show's ending. It's really sad. Literally, I'm talking about it and trying not to cry. Um, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Really um, bad. Anyway. Let's go with some happier stuff because we got downers later on. All right. Um, <laughs> I, this should come as no surprise, have gotten into Magic the Gathering. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are in our early 30s. I'm into Dungeons and Dragons. You're into Magic the Gathering. And we thought we couldn't get nerdier. Right. It's like, <laughs> I also thought that after the OGL thing that like I was sure. like, there, I was like, I, I'm not really touched by Wizards of the Coast. Like, why would I ever get involved with that? And then, <laughs> and then I got burned out they on Marvel you. Snap, and I needed something mm -hmm. to do that was like that. Yeah. Um, and Magic was there. Um, yeah. And so that's the props that I have is several boxes full of wow. cards. Wow! Wow! You really went in. There's two yeah. more. There's two more here oh, good. that I'm not going to show you. But I mean, I say you really went in as though like casually starting to play Magic the Gathering doesn't require that number of boxes of cards. Yeah. I mean, I started with a uh, a week ago. I will say with a pre-constructed commander Classic. deck, and mm -hmm. um, I would say I don't. That's a hundred cards. I do not have more than. 200 i didn't go like double that in a week sure um but you know um my friend anthony that you know yes. was in our college town when when we were going to school and we uh he is a long time magic player he said he's been playing since he's 14 and he's in his late wow. 30s so yeah um he was excited to have somebody to play with. We played this weekend. I lost terribly because he's been playing yeah. since he was 14 <laughs> uh, but we had a good time and we're probably going to do that on saturdays from now on but the thing, the like online significance of this is that I've been watching a ton of Commander gameplay on YouTube, um, mm. and it's a blast. Honestly, I'm enjoying watching other people play Magic as much as I enjoyed playing Magic with Anthony this weekend. Okay, I love that for you. Yeah. I think that's so fascinating because of all of the gaming things that I have tried to get into over the years, deck building games are the ones that I understand the least. Mm -hmm. Like. 
I told a friend that when playing all of the Witcher games, which I really enjoyed playing, I like never played Gwent because I don't understand deck based mm-hmm. turn like t- deck. What what is it? Turn based. I don't understand. I don't, see. I don't even know what the terminology games, is. That's fine. Yeah, we sure, know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> card games, yeah. right? Like where you're building your own deck. Hard for me to understand. Although I was really big into Yu-Gi-Oh back in the day. I was a Yu-Gi-Oh guy. If you know Yu-Gi-Oh, you could absolutely play Magic. I mean, not yeah. that you should. I'm just saying, if that's a thing you want to do, you're capable of it. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to learn how to play Gwent first. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> they have that on your phone too. You can play Gwent on your phone. Yeah, I pl- I I picked The Witcher back up this weekend because I'm like many people waiting for Tears of the Kingdom to come out and trying to bide my time without obsessively playing <laughs> Breath of the Wild <laughs> over and over. Um, and I did win a game of Gwent, so maybe maybe uh, my time is coming. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. I it's all brain worms in here. Um, yeah. You said Tears of the Kingdom, and my mind flashed to something that came through my Instagram stories this morning, which was. Uh, Rule 34, Link, and Ganondorf from Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> I think that's the end of our nugget segment. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> that's what's in my brain. Perfect. Um, so we are going to talk today about TikTok bans. We're going to go from Rule 34, Tears of the Kingdom, straight wow. into, like, policy here. In a second. Right into it. Um, and... I think TikTok bans have taken shape. I mean, if you're a person in the U.S., at least you are aware that this is a thing people are doing. They did ban TikTok in India. Like this is a this is a thing that has been happening, is currently happening. A couple years ago, um, actually, Lord, time it wasn't a couple years ago. This was when Trump was about to leave office and Biden was president elect. That was a couple, three years ago. That's yeah. A, that's okay. I'm just, yeah. it's more than two and I'm, it's kind yeah. of something I'm having to deal with right now. I made a video <laughs> on YouTube talking about Trump's then attempt to ban TikTok. Yep. And I think I'll keep some of the same points because I think there's a lot of stuff going on there, especially with feelings about China and all the above. Um, but there's a new sort of round of attempts to ban TikTok that we wanted to talk about today just because it's stuff that we're interested in and mad about like we said before um and also want an opportunity to talk a little bit about hank green um (laughs) we gotta figure out how to make it happen you know so we'll we'll get you we'll we'll slowly build your awareness of how much we know about hank green which is (laughs) too much um (laughs) yeah so ac you um in our we're kind of doing this one together so but you and our note document have put together sort of a both an introduction to the bills that are current in the U S and a little bit about what they do. So can you just kind of introduce us to not necessarily why yet, um, but a little bit of like what the bills are trying to do. What's going on. Yeah. 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 So here I'll give my personal disclaimers here, right? One, you should know I'm a social media professional. It's what I get paid to do. So I think about this from both a like personal, I'm also a power user on TikTok. Um, When I say power user, I mean, I use it every day for multiple hours a day. Um, I know how to make videos. I know how to interact with videos. And I feel like I have an understanding of the audience. Um, or different audiences, because there are many. Um, And then also, like, I work for an organization that does a lot of First Amendment work and work on this. And so this is both something that is, like, personally interesting to me and something that I spend, like, 
a not insignificant amount of professional time dedicated to thinking about. So here is what I know. Probably what you and I aren't going to talk about today is the one version of a TikTok ban that does currently exist in the U.S., which is um, a ban on TikTok on federal uh, devices um, operated by federal employees as like work devices. So if you were issued, you worked for the federal government and you had a work phone, you can't have TikTok on that work phone. That is well within the power of the president to do, right? right? And it's the kind of thing that if I had a corporate device might be a rule too. So it's not really unexpected for me. 100%. And so uh, in addition to like a federal level um, law like this that was signed by Biden in December of 2022, um, there is also um, like various states, about 20, just over 20 states have something similar as well. So this was kind of the first round and it's sometimes where folks get caught up, right? When folks start to talk about TikTok bans, often folks reply like, oh, it's just on government devices. And that's not the case anymore and not really what we're talking about. What we're talking about today are there's really three bills that get at this in different ways that are introduced into Congress. And that doesn't really mean anything. There's lots of stuff that gets introduced into Congress that never gets a committee hearing, much less a hearing on the floor, much less a vote. OK, we're we're going to I don't want to to have folks listen to this and like get scared that this is happening tomorrow or next week or a month from now. There are pieces of legislation about this that have more legs and are moving more quickly and are Mm -hmm. more concerning. So there are two or three really that I'm like, I would say professionally, like I'm less concerned about um, is is what we're hearing. Right. One by Josh Hawley, one by um, Representative McCall, who is a representative from Texas. Um, And then Marco Rubio also introduced some sort of bill. All of these use different like mechanisms and are much more explicitly about banning TikTok. Now, the most interesting and concerning of all of these is called the Restrict Act, which was sponsored by uh, Senator Mark Warner and is a bipartisan effort. The one thing that McCall and... um, McCall and Warner's bill, so McCall's bill and the Restrict Act have in common, is they both go more broad in an effort to ban TikTok, whereas, um, you know, Josh Hawley is specifically like trying to ban TikTok and like (laughs) it's about TikTok, right? The Restrict Act um, and McCall's piece of legislation both use this like general approach in different ways both pretty insidious, um, but with like sort of different empowerment structures. So McCall's bill is interesting only because it to like this conversation, um, only because it touches on something that when you and I were first talking about this, um, something that came up. So McCall's bill uses um, a mechanism called the Berman Amendment. And the Berman Amendment is basically... It was passed in the late 80s. It is the thing that says that you can't ban a Chinese book just because it's from China. Right. It's the thing that says you can't ban a Russian book just because it's from Russia. Right. So passed at the end of the Cold War that if you live in the U.S., you have a right and you are free to seek information from other countries and that we can't limit that on a country by country basis. I have this sort of like belief, and I think I may have said this at the end of the episode, but I definitely said it to you that 
these bans are in some way unconstitutional. Yeah. Um, and I know that we're going to talk about it another way, but like this is the Berman Amendment is the thing that you brought up. They're like, absolutely. Like yes. we've already yeah. discussed this and clarified this before and like Correct. codified it. And it's right. It's existing U.S. policy law, right, that the Berman Amendment would protect that kind of information. What McCall's bill attempts to do, and, and this was the first scariest, right, like red flag kind of moment around these TikTok bans, is gut this Berman Amendment and make it so that the president, it would require the president to impose sanctions on a foreign person or foreign company that deals in software that is specifically subject to the influence of China. And like, that is beyond, right? Like this, it is specifically targeted towards China. It is specifically uh, empowers the Secretary of Treasury. So like, this is super wonky stuff, right? They're really getting technical about how to do this, right? McCall uses the, the Secretary of the Treasury the Restrict Act, which I'll talk about in a second, uses Secretary of Commerce, right, mm -hmm. uses the powers directed towards administrative officials or, or sorry, the powers of administrative officials to direct what it is that they want to do. It reminds me of some of the now defunct, but um, sort of xenophobic immigration laws that we've had sure. as a country that were directly targeted at, at specific countries or, um, yeah. you know, specific countries of, of origin, but like, or even, I don't know, the quote unquote Muslim ban from not that mm -hmm. long ago. Right. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of those and, and the ways that those things are scary and feel wrong to me. Yeah. And I think that this is why, like, Something like McCall's bill, right, like gives me the heebie-jeebies, but like at least it is specifically about China, right? Mm -hmm. Like at least it is plainly on its face about China and he's not afraid to say that, right? Like the xenophobia is part of it and it is a transparent part of it. The Restrict Act, on the other hand, is to me more insidious because in effect what it would do is allow the targeting of China or other foreign countries, right? But it generalizes so broadly, right? It generalizes broadly. Of course, that's what generalizing <laughs> does. Um, <laughs> so what the Restrict Act would do is it would empower the Secretary of Commerce to ban TikTok because it would give her power to review transactions by foreign entities, you know, in quotes here, foreign entities who offer information and communications, technologies, products, or services. Um, and these technologies, products, or services could create, you know, undue and unacceptable risk to the national security of the U.S. And so it is a national security argument for data collection and data like data collection by apps operated by foreign entities as a way to spy on the US right is essentially what they're implying here there is a lot there there is a lot here and this restrict act certainly goes beyond that there's a lot of conversation about like could you be fined for using a VPN could you be you know could they take legal action against you for using a VPN if the restrict act is put into effect and you access information that is operated by a foreign entity, right? Like 
all of these questions are real. And I think that like the biggest piece that like the thing for me about the Restrict Act is it's a sledgehammer, mm-hmm. right? Like this is a there is a specific problem, right? It is real and true that there are problems with consumer data privacy in the U.S. generally and on TikTok specifically. I have done a lot of work around the ways that like you might unintentionally open yourself up to data privacy risk on TikTok by participating in trends like the trends where you bring your eye really up close to the camera, right? Like that is a great way for TikTok to collect that biometric data. We don't know for sure if they are or they aren't. Or anyone using TikTok, right? <laughs> or anyone using TikTok, right? And 100%, like this, the pieces of the Restrict Act that are more generalizable are like, at least it's generalizable and could impact other apps, right? That was a, a potential consequence of the Berman Amendment gutting, right? That McCall proposed, which is like, if they gut the Berman Amendment, this has huge far-reaching implications for lots of foreign businesses, right? The Restrict Act, um, you know, some people have been comparing it to the Patriot Act because what it does is it uses this like guise of national security to justify allowing the Secretary of Commerce to ban TikTok, sure, but to ban any app that the Secretary of Commerce sees as engaging whatever whatever all the technical words are to say they think a foreign entity is using this app to spy so they're going to ban that app right and doesn't it also require the collection of data from those um like from those services in order to determine those those things sure yeah give us your data give us the government your data that we think that you are stealing from our people. We are known to be a trustworthy data warehouse who definitely won't misuse that information or or like let it leak in any significant way. Yeah. No, we've never done that. No, I said we weren't going to get into why and we can leave this as a quick thought, but like (laughs) the, the thing that strikes me there and is not, I think surprising maybe to anyone listening is that like, that's the exact thing that the people writing these builder scares scared is happening in China. A hundred percent. I mean, I think that, So these are the bans that exist, right, in their current forms. They could be amended or changed over time. What I know is that as of this recording, so the end of April in 2023, the Restrict Act is the one that has the most, like, most respect or, like, most support across the board through Congress. It is a bipartisan bill. It is framed in a way that, you know, I think that there is potential that Biden would sign it. Right. I don't think that Biden would have signed McCall's bill. Right. I think it's plain. It's too xenophobic on on its face. But the Restrict Act uses the machinations of bureaucracy to disguise a lot of the more insidious parts. Yeah, it's such a Democrat bill. It is like it's 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 Democrats saying like we're not being openly xenophobic, but we're going to use this bureaucracy to be xenophobic. It's Fosta Sesta all yeah. over again, baby. <laughs> right? I literally have a note um, here for myself is to remember to to say it it is really Fosta Sesta all over again, and the, and the unintended consequences of Fosta Sesta on platforms like Tumblr and and the intended consequences right of Fosta Sesta in terms of 
limiting creators, right? Sure, sex workers who are creators from being able to generate their incomes on the internet um, and and other pieces, right, of the ways that FOSTA-SESTA has broken the content that we can and can't see and has created, has, has, has pushed companies into creating content filters that are less useful at filtering out harmful content with the unintended side effect of creating a lot of 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 censorship and censorship isn't exactly the right word here but but a lot of restriction on essential educational content um yeah so the thing about fossa sesta and i actually just wrote this down as an episode idea maybe (laughs) maybe when we've done a few more happy ones um (laughs) it has contributed if you've noticed over the past 10 plus years or so fossa sesta and apple it's just it's those two things oh boy have contributed to what i've been calling like the desexification of the internet oh boy um if oh, you Matt. have yeah if you have seen i have so many thoughts i have a lot of thoughts <laughs> um tumblr is the big one that people know right but i don't know if you know this but last week reddit announced that they're going to be restricting yep. um, nsw content on their platform yep um not a total ban but a, a very deep restriction um, and making it much more difficult to access. Again, Twitter is right now a place where that kind of content is welcome. But if you don't know this, if you if your account is marked by Twitter or by yourself as account an account that posts sensitive content, um, it doesn't show up in search. That's probably mm-hmm. good. Like I don't want like sure. kids to see that, you know. Sure. But that's also because they couldn't stay in the App Store if they did yeah. that, right? It's a it's yeah. a hedge against both FOSTA SESTA and also getting delisted from the App Store, which is the original thing that Tumblr got in trouble for. Yeah. Uh, and then FOSTA SESTA happened, and they just kind of said, you know what, it's not worth it. Which is yeah. the equation that every sort of online community space has run into. Um, Mm -hmm. I, again, made a video about Discord having this problem. It was more Apple related, but it's also related to FOSTA SESTA. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I, I understand the comparisons between the Restrict Act and the Patriot Act and because of that national security mechanism in particular. But I do think that a, a more salient, right? Like in the era where we are talking about, an internet that we like we thought that net neutrality would and and the and the fight to end net neutrality would come at us hard and fast and be this ultimate like one moment of destruction and instead what we're seeing is like these piecemeal um attempts to achieve what some of the bigger initial pushes in the last 10 years to um you know undermine net neutrality like we're seeing them happen in these like little bitty ways so also i'm just i'm i'm remembering this conversation is not to challenge anybody but it is mm. a little bit i know that there are people that will listen to this because you're my friends and 10 years ago we had a conversation about net neutrality where you didn't you were like were challenging me on like why it mattered that much maybe that it was for rich people and but it's no like it's happening right <laughs> now the, the the net neutrality dying is we are seeing those consequences today. So not an I told you so, but an I told you so. Yeah, um, some fun (laughs) AC and Matt lore is that back in the day we were in an organization where we like, uh, it was like a mock state legislative organization. And the thing that got me to get Matt to uh, participate with me was encouraging him to write 
mock legislation about net, about neutrality. net neutrality. I was actually about so, to talk about that this earlier is because some Matt AC origin <laughs> story shit. <laughs> because well, when you said like, hey, people like just because these bills are introduced doesn't mean they're gonna pass. Like, I don't know. That's just something you and I know from like having done this shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like in real mm-hmm. life. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you is a little bit. I know you've got at least some thoughts about like why this can't work besides the Ber- <laughs> the Bergman amendment, and then sure. I kind of I have kind of follow up questions on that, but kind of I know that you've brought up the First Amendment to me, but like yeah. explain that for me. So basically, you know, there's this pesky little <laughs> thing called the First Amendment, um, and the First Amendment is the First Amendment for a reason. It's number one on the list, but it, essentially here, what it means is because the First Amendment protects our ability to like speak, to receive information, to associate freely, right? To engage with apps as we wish, um, a ban on TikTok would like stifle free expression. It would restrict public access to critical information like news, political commentary, entertainment. Right. And like there is just no we're we haven't even come close to actually justifying a reason to take the kind of extraordinary measure that it would be to outright ban a platform that, while legally speaking, isn't considered to be like, there's a legal term called like the public square, right? And whether or not internet apps are legally considered to be a public square is still like somewhat up for debate, in part because they're privately held companies. And like, this is a an area of, of law, certainly First Amendment law is a rich area of legal practice. What I can say to you is that personally, my personal opinion is that even though the law may not say that something like TikTok strictly fits the definition, the legal definition of a public square, Certainly to me, a lay person, it really does seem like a public square of information sharing. Right. So at the very least, what I can tell you is that I feel confident that what people smarter than me have conveyed to me about why the First Amendment protects against a TikTok ban is that I can feel that that is true. Right. I I can I not that your feelings are more true than anything else. Right. But like, I don't know, we we write our laws based on the things that we believe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and the First Amendment is pretty clear here. Right. Like you can say what you want to say. It does not mean that you can say what you want to say without consequences. It does not mean that the U.S. couldn't engage in any other number of ways to legislate around some of the problems that they are trying to solve for here. But plain and simple, banning TikTok violates the First Amendment because it stifles free expression. Yeah. The the sort of follow-up question I have is the concept of the First Amendment and free speech Mm -hmm. has been completely Mm -hmm. bastardized over the past five or six years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my feelings around the First Amendment def- like defense against a TikTok ban, right? Come yeah. back to, do I sound like, I don't know, pick a random sinner that is mad that their, you know, website doesn't show up in Google search where they want it to. Sure. Right? Do I, do I sound like the person who is convinced that, you know, Twitter owned, still owned by Elon Musk is like, a leftist haven that only, you know, boosts posts on the left and takes down all stuff on the right. Like, do I sound like that person? The thing I'm hearing Mm. from you is it's because the government is trying to do it. 
Correct. A hundred percent. That's the difference. I mean, it's plain and simple, right? Like, yes, the first your First Amendment right of freedom of expression is protecting you from the government restricting your speech. And the challenges around the the conversations about like apps taking your posts down or deplatforming or any number of like the more fraught conversations around speech online usually have very little to do with government censorship, mm-hmm. right? The actually the parts of the First Amendment law around speech online that make it the trickiest are the same parts of the law that enable you that enable platforms to like restrict or promote certain types of speech. It is that they are privately held companies and that you sign a user agreement with a privately held company and that privately held company can behave in any way that it wishes. Mm -hmm. So the like the biggest challenges around this is like the best course of action here is for TikTok as a company to act in a way that protects its users right and to create internal policy that like solves for some of these problems right rather than the government coming and being like this app cannot exist because it is bad right (laughs) <laughs> it's it's funny that you and me are sitting here as the people we are with like the political police we have talking about like TikTok as a corporation doing its own self-management. Yeah, I don't <laughs> actually right. Like let's be clear that corporate corporate responsibility is like fucking fake. Yeah. Um and I don't think that that is what is what is going to happen, but that is a potential solution and like I say that and I'm pre- if I remember, if I recall correctly, TikTok is doing things to try to move a lot of operations to the U.S. Right. so that this kind of ban can't impact them because they're a smart company that wants to make business off of us. Yes. <laughs> and also there's other solutions, right? I don't I don't know if we have notes about this, but like. We don't have a comprehensive data privacy law in this country. Oh, my God. I do. I do. There are. This is. I put it later in the script. So okay. if we want to we talk, can talk about, about it, it later. in a little bit. But I can keep. I'll, I'll keep talking about the first event for too long. Okay. So I'll move us on and say there is one other ban. And then we'll be at the yeah. the end of the context part. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is how we get to Hank Green. Yes. <laughs> um, there is one other ban that does exist that has been signed into law. And that is in Montana. The state of Montana passed a state level legislation prohibiting TikTok from operating in Montana. It prohibits app stores from offering the from offering users the option to download TikTok um, if those users are in Montana. It fines TikTok or other entities that help TikTok to operate in Montana $10,000 for each time someone accesses TikTok. And then it fines, you know, $10,000 a day for every day that the violation continues. So the what this is doing is like a very common, very common form of corporate regulation in the U.S., which is to say we won't say that you can't do this because legally we can't say that you can't do this. But we will say that if you do this, we'll fine you every day that you do it. And what it does is like forces companies to decide if they're willing to shoulder the financial burden of the fines to continue operating in the way that they currently are operating or if they can amend what if they can change what they're doing to not be fined on a regular basis. And how the Montana ban would work is kind of, I have been asking this question a lot of like how, 
how if the how does the location data piece of this work? How does the so I think of this about all these bands like the, when yes. the, when the Trump administration tried to do this, they like the question I kept having was how are you going to enforce this? Right? Yeah, you can take an app out of the out of the app store. And a person can still access the website and a person can still access the app that they already have downloaded on their phone. Yeah. Right. And it's worth noting that original drafts of some of these bills, including the Montana ban, were uh, attempts to like go straight for Internet service providers to restrict Internet service providers from hosting TikTok. The Great Firewall in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, um, you can imagine that the uh, the Internet service provider overlords AT&T. Verizon, et cetera, were like, uh, fuck off. Yeah. That's sorry. That's a hard no. We give your your political party bajillions of dollars a year so you don't do stuff like this to us. Mm-hmm. Try again. Penalize the user, not us. Yeah. And that's that's the weird thing about like both this bill and the federal bills is like, say Restrict Act passes and you know. Is it the FTC? Is that who it is? Uh, Commerce. Oh, Secretary of Commerce. Secretary of Commerce um, says no more TikTok. How the hell do we implement that? Right? Yeah. Are we requiring TikTok to say, oh, you've got our app, but we see you're in the US. We're not going to show you anything. I think that yeah. I believe that's how they started it in India. Yeah. But also I think it requires it requires us to build something like a great firewall. And this is part of why the Restrict Act is being compared to the Patriot Act because the reality is, Matt, the enforcement of all of these, however small or however expansive any of these bans are, all of them require a level of invasion of privacy, a Mm -hmm. level of government surveillance that we, in a digital sense, if it does exist, it does not explicitly exist. Right up to this point. And also, do we have this capability currently? Like, I don't trust anyone but our, like, NSA, you know, people to even have, like, the knowledge to do this. I do not trust Hello this Hello to my personal FBI agent listening <laughs> to this episode right now. I do not trust anyone that would, like, build this system and this company to make this work. Yeah. And I and the people that 100%. I know that are, are, like, really good at this kind of thing and, like, doing the good work, you know, in sort of in, in government services would not build this thing, would rather quit their yeah. job. And then this is how we get to Montana and to Hank Green, right? If you yeah. don't know, uh, Hank Green lives in Mon- Missoula, Montana, famous Montanan. Probably the most followed person in the state. Yeah. Very likely. Yeah. One of a number of Montana influencers, because there are weirdly several other influencers but Monta- from Montana, but definitely, I think, the most famous. Yeah. It, it definitely the most followed on TikTok, for sure. For sure. And he made a uh, YouTube video called On TikTok Bands yeah. in the past week, like after we decided to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> Perfection. I will say I was a little disappointed because he did talk about like how he is the person that should be talking about this, but then like I don't think said very much. Um, mm. so if you, a classic green brothers move. Yeah. I don't, I, I, there has to be a world where you don't know who Hank green is person listening. If you don't know who Hank green is, I love that for you so much. Turn this episode <laughs> off right now. <laughs> he and his brother made videos on YouTube. His brother's an author or now Hank's an author too, but his brother is the more famous author, I would say. Then he, I'm skipping a lot. He owns like 17 <laughs> businesses. He started VidCon and then he got famous on TikTok. Yeah. He is 
uh, I would I would say he probably would like the the phrase science communicator the most. Yes. Uh, if you've seen SciShow, that's Hank Green. Or if you watch Crash Course and in school or something, that was Hank Green. Uh, well, Hank Green's on a lot of them. Yeah. Um, John's in yeah. some of them and then other people are in others, but he's behind that. I don't know. He's he, he's blown up on TikTok in the last few years, um, especially, you know, during the pandemic, I think was when he kind of joined and made yeah. himself known. Gets tagged in shit that people don't believe on tiktok as science dad explain yeah, this to me exactly. <laughs> i mean like it's a i'll say a considered meme at this point but him getting tagged in and being like please don't do this because you're like invalidating don't eat grass <laughs> but you're like you're invalidating the expertise of the person that you're tagging oh, yeah. me in like yeah. that happens often enough that that to me is a meme itself yeah right 100%. the the hank gets tagged so much don't tag hank you know yeah i, I think about that one a lot um uh, but i just the idea that TikTok as a company would get charged $10,000 every time Hank opened his TikTok app Yeah, at his house. I also like, it, it's worth noting that if, if you don't know this, TikTok is the most downloaded app in the US the last three years in a row. No matter how small the population of Montana may be, right? That is still true, right? The number of users in one state in the US alone is enough to generate a large set of fines and fees for the organization or for, for the company if if they you know chose to just simply ignore this ban mm-hmm. it's wild uh, when we were talking about um enforcement yeah we started to make this point but didn't quite get there that china has a history of blocking online services right that for whatever reason the party decides like should not be accessible to the people of yeah. China. And as people live in the U S people living elsewhere where this does not happen, we often look at that and say, that seems a little totalitarian, a little bit of a lack of freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing that strikes me is like, now we're trying to do the same. Yeah. And I'm not like that. It, it just, it doesn't make sense. It seems like a pretty clear, <laughs> pretty clear, like, conflict yeah i mean i think it, it's always worth naming that there's there's so much i have a whole other soapbox that's about, that's about how the hypocrisy isn't actually the point of the thing mm-hmm. uh that it that most of these things are not as ideologically consistent as we wish they could be right and like it is annoyingly ideologically consistent right we we see China restricting internet services as a lack of freedom. We see restricting certain services for people in the U.S. as protecting U.S. Ide- ideology, right? Mm-hmm. As protecting American interests, right? Um, and and you know, this is just a this is a classic case of there are real ongoing problems here. And the solution that is being offered gets nowhere near resolving the actual problem, right? And in fact, has the likelihood to create a whole slew of other problems, right? It is true that the Chinese government censors and suppresses dissent and commits authoritarian rights-violating abuses, right? It is also true that TikTok collects broad categories of user data, raising legitimate concerns, about like sharing that and potentially the the app ByteDance being the the company of ByteDance like being forced to share that information with the with the government of China. But like 
again, and I know that I said it earlier, if it is worth saying again, there is not any specific or direct evidence that the U.S. is willing to point to beyond this ideological I- idea that China is spying on us, mm-hmm. right? And that the Chinese government might be censoring information, right? Or promoting propaganda. There's just, there's no real evidence, just this like vague speculation. It's a vague fear. I I have the same, um, it's same same country, like same sort of movement behind it. But I have the same frustration with something that I would say probably most of the people listening to this have no concept of, which is, Rip and Replace. Are you aware of Rip and Replace? I have no idea what that is. <laughs> okay. So, uh, 5G. We're going to talk about 5G. Oh, the thing that uh, gave me brainworms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, if you, maybe in your town or city or whatever, you've seen those little, like, white and orange AT&T poles, that is a 5G tower. They're smaller. Sometimes they're, like, they're like really big, sort of, uh, almost telephone pole-looking things. They put them on those. Uh, sometimes they disguise them really badly in these like really chunky, ugly things like on New York city streets. But the thing about 5g is it has to be, these towers have to be um, placed uh, in sort of like tighter arrangement than Mm. previous wireless technology. So you're going to have a lot more of them in a lot tighter space, but they're going to be smaller. The thing about those devices is that the, the company that makes the cheapest version of them, is Huawei, <laughs> a Chinese company. Oh boy. And when 5G was starting to be, the, when the networks were starting to be built in the United States, right? A lot of towns, a, a lot of cities bought Huawei technology because it was cheap, right? Or they had the ISPs do this, right? Some depends on if you're talking about municipal broadband or what, right? But you know, AT&T or T-Mobile, like bought Huawei technology and put it out there. And a few years ago, the U.S. launched this program called Rip and Replace, which is replacing all of that Huawei hardware with American-made or at least not made in China, right? Mm -hmm. Hardware Mm -hmm. to enable a 5G network because of the fear that China maybe in some way would have access to the internet traffic Um, and phone calls of American citizens as if a, that was impossible to get already (laughs) and not exactly that stupid, simple and B as if we couldn't monitor exactly where that traffic was going to see if that were true. Like there are just fundamental things that you can do that there's a a kind of magical thinking when in reality, very much technology, as much as it doesn't make sense, sometimes makes the, there is a straight forward path that makes sense to finding out if that is happening right yeah at the at, especially at that low level at the high level of like is tiktok stealing my data what does that even mean what are we talking about they're doing right. a lot of things and some of that we can't act we can't find get access to right for sure that's true but at the level of i own the network and i know what's going across it i can tell what that hardware is doing right yeah um it's being replaced in a lot of places with a more open standard which i actually find is a good thing um but the whole concept of rip and replace has meant that not that it's a competition or a race or anything but just from user perspective meant that we're behind as a country in launching this technology yeah and i mean i think that there are other pieces of this that are like just so deeply rooted in like okay 
if the problem is consumer data privacy, then TikTok is not the only app that is guilty of collecting vast amounts of user data and potentially misusing that data, potentially handing it over to any other, any number of governments, right? Mm -hmm. Literally, our, or our own government, right? Um, and so if that is, if the problem is the consumer privacy protect, like protection piece of it, then what the solution is, is consumer privacy law. Mm -hmm. But it is only like, only truly like big brained neoliberal bullshit to be like the problem is China might be spying on our citizens via this app or feeding them Chinese propaganda. And therefore, what we will do is pass a sweeping national security law that violates the First Amendment and requires us to, and, and allows us to engage in extremely deep surveillance of our citizens. Right. Right. Like that is just the most big brained idea. It is a backdoor into I mean, when we talk about these different pieces of internet like legislation as related to the internet or to apps or whatever right as changing the fabric of the internet as we know it this is one of those that will go down in the changing the fabric of the internet as we know it in whatever form it finally takes right if it takes final form yeah the interesting thing there is um the fact that there are other companies doing this right yeah um and, and sort of what this is actually about. You mentioned sort of this um, uh, inconsistency not actually being the thing. I often find yeah. that's true generally of, yeah. <laughs> of like conservative policies always yeah. because it's consistent in that it's trying to be fair as long as you're the right person, right? Correct. Like that is the consistency. Yes. And that is, that's true here, right? It's fair yes. as long as you're American, right? Yes. Um, and a lot of other policies, it's fair if you're a white man that's an American, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We see this happen over and over again. And so when we as people on the left and like point out these inconsistencies is often not helpful because that's not actually what being what's being attacked. Right. Yeah. And in this case, Sarah Zhang, I believe she's still at the verge. I'm not sure. She's kind of a, a well-known journalist and, and moves around a lot because she writes yeah. really well. She wrote this piece in 2020 called the U S declared war on TikTok because it can't handle the truth. And it, ha it has this incredible Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man <laughs> graphic that is, uh, the colors of the U S flag, the Russian flag and the Chinese flag. Um, yeah. and the whole point that, you should go read this article. I just want to say this because what I'm about yeah. to say is a very, very quick summary. And the article is much deeper than that. And it's like, I personally think a thrilling read, but I'm into this shit. Um, <laughs> I, I was, floored. I really enjoyed it too. Yeah, for the I record. was floored it's by it. Good writing. Yeah. Her thesis is that the TikTok ban is about owning the propaganda machine. Always. And it's a, it's about not letting China's propaganda machine, which, question on if that's true or not but like I, I understand what she's saying right yeah the, the belief of the people writing these bills right is that tiktok is a chinese propaganda machine and we can't have that operating we want people to rely on our propaganda machine right yeah. our facebook and our instagram and our twitter 
right? Yeah. And, you know, whatever else, our YouTube, right? Yeah. YouTube, an extremely effective right-wing American propaganda machine, right? Extremely. Extremely effective. And, you know, I don't know. I don't have to tell you that a bunch of teenage boys 10 years ago got radicalized, <laughs> you know, to the right by by YouTube. That is a common knowledge thing at this point. And that is yeah. an American company, an American propaganda machine that like we're okay with, right? Yeah. I have a lot of problems with the fact that it happened and I wish that there were some laws that would make the way that you know that company works a little bit different. I probably have yeah. a lot of criticisms of the way that those were written too, but sure. You know, no one's talking about that. Right. We're just talking about, I mean, 2020, we were talking about Russia too. They kind of got distracted. Now we're talking again and again and again about China and the way that they theoretically are affecting elections or or the belief systems of American people. Yeah, for sure. And I think like the, the piece about the propaganda machine is so salient too, because like what when people talk about TikTok as like a primarily Gen Z platform, one of the things that's often unspoken is like the ways that, you know, older gen like generational criticisms of Gen Z are about apathy and nihilism, right? Like things that were ascribed to every young generation in some ways and things that are also so wild. I don't associate apathy with Gen Z like in like the micro level. Sure. But I find them to, like I, I'm, I'm just speaking. I'm with about, you. Yeah, no, 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 I know no, you're I'm with, with me. You. <laughs> What what but what is actually true, right, is this I mean, the thing is, right, like the democratization of information is always bad for the propaganda machine, regardless mm -hmm. of where the propaganda propaganda machine is coming from, right? Like the democratization of information, especially on TikTok. The threat of TikTok, in my eyes, in terms of like the propaganda piece of it, is that TikTok revolutionized a format to be able to communicate to young people, right? To, it was a platform that spoke to the ways that younger people were already consuming content online. And creators have successfully capitalized on that in a way that has contributed to, although to be clear, is not the direct causation of, right? The generally more socially liberal, um, or socially progressive attitudes of young people today, right? There are and will be many, many academic studies about why the why younger generations are more radical than the generations preceding them. But there is nothing but existing research to show that older generations, like the majority of Congress, right? Like, see this as a direct threat to the political power of the institutions that they hold dear. When I made that video a few years ago about the previous attempt to ban TikTok, this is a lot of what I was trying to like talk about was these sort of common things that come up when you say, hey, maybe we don't ban this just because it's China, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things that people will say to you. And one of the common ones that I'm hearing right now is some version of TikTok is uniquely bad for me, right? Yeah. I find it addictive, right? I find it um, to, hey, pick one that I believe, right? Um, I I find it to to boost disinformation and misinformation, right? Yeah. That I 100% I believe that. Sure. But I, I still believe all of the things that we have said so far, no matter if you think that TikTok is 
uniquely good at um, manipulating your time or accessing your data, I still believe that we should not ban it. Right. I mean, I think this also comes up like when you're when people talk about it in terms of like teens and mm-hmm. teen use of TikTok, young young children, their use of TikTok, right? Their use of devices. For our generation, it was video games, mm-hmm. right? Um, that or I I don't know, there was a piece that ran on NPR over the weekend that was Maybe not over the weekend. There was a piece that ran on NPR recently about how social media use is correlated with anxiety and depression in teens and in young people. And like, I don't know, maybe the social conditions that many teens and young people live in today are also correlated with anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And also more people have access to diagnoses of anxiety and depression than ever before. And so like maybe we're assigning all of these things to be correlated that we want to be correlated but you're not it's not it's not causal right it's correlated it's not causation yeah and if there is causation maybe it's the other direction right right maybe if i have you know if i suffer from depression or anxiety i'm more likely to use tiktok because maybe who knows maybe it's a soothing method you know i mean (laughs) yes uh uh-huh yes i have a severe anxiety disorder and one of the things that is most successful in calming my brain down is scrolling through little videos because it helps reset the thinking patterns of my brain because it distracts me and gets me back even, right? But I I think that, right, this part of it is, okay, great, a categorical ban doesn't solve that, right? It doesn't solve the I am addicted to scrolling. Okay, great. So did were you addicted to scrolling on Instagram before you were addicted to scrolling on TikTok? Were you addicted to scrolling on Twitter before you were addicted to scrolling on Instagram? Right? I have always been a scroller and I know that I am a scroller, right? But that is... And I don't want to jump in here with a personal responsibility narrative. That's not <laughs> my jam here. But like the... The remedy to disinformation isn't banning the apps that are distributing disinformation. The remedies to disinformation are media literacy, right? The remedies to the things that we experience, the remedies to I am stuck in scrolling have to do with I mean, I don't want to ascribe this to anyone. Yeah. You know, we're not I'm not talking about someone in particular, right? But like we are stuck in trying to find connection and support and care in a society that is structured for us to not be able to easily access those Mm -hmm. things, right? Social media apps offer the opportunity for connection, whether that is like a moment of joy or a moment of genuine sympathy or empathy or a heartwarming story about a cat or something that helps you get pissed off about something that you didn't know the truth about. Right. Yeah. Whatever it is, it is a way to build connection. Right. I mean, shocker. The the things that you're going to be interested in on TikTok are the things that you're, you find relatable. Yeah. You see a bunch of fucked up stuff on TikTok. You watch a bunch of fucked up stuff other places. Okay. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out it's the for you page. (laughs) The for you page reads me like a fucking book every day. It's 
honestly rude that I got a video in my for you page. Oh, my God. That I sent to you. That is a video of the band Muna being interviewed or doing a podcast interview where one of them says, you know, I used to sleep with men in my early 20s. And the other one goes, well, you were sad. <laughs> and that I like, how did TikTok know to show me that video? Shout out to all of the sweet, sad, sad boys that I dated in my early 20s. <laughs> you were all very nice. You were all very nice. <laughs> Something that I, I and I don't know. I, I'll own it. I, I hate to always be the one that brings up porn, but like I, d I actually don't hate it. Um, people, people do this with porn too, right? They try and yeah. describe their personal feelings about sex on the internet, right? As yeah. some greater failing of some particular brand or app or whatever. Literally saw this the other day in regards to talking about Reddit's, Reddit's limitation, right? Yeah. Somebody was like, Oh, I'm okay with that. I don't really, I'm not really on Reddit for that. I don't want to see that kind of stuff pop up. And I'm like, listen, if you're not looking for it, it's not going to pop up. Like yeah. you not <laughs> wanting this in your life does not mean it should not be allowed. Right. Yeah. You can make those decisions. That's okay. Um, and I don't know, like there's this general apathy towards these kinds of decisions right? That drives me up a wall sometimes. And this is actually my frustration with that fucking Hank Green video. Yeah. In that video, <laughs> he, the premise is that he doesn't really know what to say, but he has this line about how there are people far smarter than him that know a lot more about foreign policy and they may know something about the realities of what the Chinese government is doing with the data from TikTok. And you know what? I'm going to kind of agree with that thought here and then shit on it <laughs> that's what a podcast is for yes i do not in fact know more than joe biden right about what china is doing with the data from tiktok i think maybe you should pick a different person in this example okay. you almost certainly know more <laughs> maybe i know more than joe biden right but i don't know Who's Sorry. writing the Restrict Act? Uh, Mark Mark Warner. Okay, we, I we, don't. That's that's fair. Yeah, my like, ugh, that's from my former state. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, and he's a Democrat. Yeah. Oh God, come on, Virginia. I do not know them. I do not know probably more than Mark Warner about what China is doing with TikTok's data. Right? Like, I don't. I that is true. But when Hank Green says that, right, as the most prominent. TikToker from Montana. Yeah. What he's effectively saying is like, I can see both sides here. <laughs> right. And I'm I'm done with that shit. I am just like 1 million percent done with the idea that like the people writing this bill have any sense of correctness. Yeah. I'm done giving them the benefit of the doubt. And I get like, again, I get what Hank's saying. Hank is a man. He is just a person. <laughs> right. But he doesn't have the freedom, frankly, to say those kinds of things without realizing the implications at, sure. at his level of fame and following. I can't remember if it was a video or a tweet um, where someone was basically like, Hank, what do you think about the TikTok ban in Montana? And what he said was like, honestly, it's like one of the least important things to me that's happening in the Montana legislature this that session. That I agree with. <laughs> and that is totally fair. And it minimizes the potential consequences, Agreed. right? Like, I think that 
one of the biggest challenges, right, in in liberal political thinking, right, is the idea that there are more important fish to fry out there when it comes to like, uh, I mean, I, I see tons of this, you know, at, at my job every day, people replying to us when we're talking about TikTok bans being like, can't you talk about literally anything more important? And like, I hear you and I get it, but like, we don't have to set ourselves up. Like I, as a trans person, am deeply worried about access to healthcare and the way that trans bans, like that a ban against transgender girls playing sports, of which there are like 10 identified or 12 identified little girls who want to play sports, right? And that there's now a federal ban that has passed the U.S. House of Representatives, deeply concerning to me. Mm-hmm. I am also deeply concerned about my free speech rights online right and i can be concerned about both and we don't have to create a hierarchy of thinking about like which issue is most important the hardest and most difficult thing is that all of the issues are important and you personally can choose which ones you invest your like personal time in advocating to protect but that doesn't make what's happening with these TikTok bans any less consequential and doesn't mean that like one of the most insidious things about First Amendment law is that it can wind up getting wrapped up in all of those other things because like a really good example of this is the return of the discourse around the Comstock Act, Mm. which is something which is a very old law (laughs) passed in the late 1800s in the 1880s that, um, restricted on the basis of obscenity mailing information about birth control right um and it is and and any other number of things it was like you can't send obscene materials through the mail and so you couldn't send information about birth control or sex or whatever right and those obscenity laws are what are coming back being used to justify things like bans on medication abortion, right? And so the thinking is, it is always a misstep to say, this issue is the least important to me of all of the issues that are happening right now. And therefore, I assume that it will only do exactly what it says and what it is intended to do, because that is never how American law, particularly American law around speech and fundamental constitutional rights operates it always can be interpolated onto another issue that you care about. Yeah, there's there's also just a general failure, I think, to to think one or two steps down the road, generally. Um, yeah. And not in a, like a fear, uh, slippery slope sense, but like in a like we've seen this before sense. Sure. Right. I've had conversations recently where people kind of failed to draw the connections between the, the limitations, <laughs> the trying to make queer people illegal in Florida, right? Yeah. And similar bills that have passed in Oklahoma, Texas, et cetera, right? People fail to see the end result of that. I think in the mm. way that I, a queer person, sees the end result of that, right? Sure. Especially when I think of like, how much time do I have left in Tulsa? Yeah. Those are the things that are going through my head, right? And I've had conversations really with people that that see it more as like, oh, you're not affected by... Mm. XYZ because you're not a trans person or will a limitation around drag in public spaces really affect you that much? And 
one, the answer is yes on that one. But two, right. <laughs> two, the answer is like, it should be obvious to, I think probably the people listening to this, that like, yes, like they, they do affect right. me. And I also know that it means that more things are coming down the line that will directly impact my yeah. life. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's a cultural thing, but anyway, point is there's this sort of like lack of ability to think about not just what's next, but like what this means in the political culture. Of the yeah. US. And there are examples, right. Of, of over and over again, us engaging in saying something along the lines of this is the best solution we have to offer right now. And all of those, you know, big, scary, unintended consequences that you say that the opposition says are going to come true if we pass something like this definitely won't come true. And then they definitely did come true, right? Like, Patriots. so it is always, it is always about application. It is always about enforcement. Who is impacted by enforcement, right? Who will actually be surveilled and spied on, right? Like, who will actually, like, if this surveillance apparatus can now operate uh, under the guise of we have to stop apps from, like, TikTok from being able to be accessed by American people, who does that empower the government to do deeper surveillance on, Mm -hmm. right? And the answer is certainly not right-wing groups <laughs> or or wealthy people right it's it's always marginalized it's, communities it's always marginalized communities right um and so you know i think i i think i am with you on the like the apathy part of it is frustrating the the apathy part of it too that like again in making it about tiktok anyone who is not a tiktok user is like well then i don't care yeah exactly but it's not it's not, it's not it's about the, TikTok. on paper it does not say no TikTok for you, yeah. right? Um, it is all. It is never going to be able to say that because the U.S. government can't restrict just one company from operating in a certain way, right? I think that it's also just. I mean, again, I mentioned this at the at the start of the episode, but I see I I make content about this for work as well, and I have seen hundreds of thousands of comments at this point about this issue and some of them in this vein you know just are very like tiktok is bad actually right like not even tiktok is bad for me personally but like in the vein of that like disinformation or like who cares about social media and i'm like you're literally here commenting on social Mm -hmm. media about this thing you care about it i can see it you know um, it's also worth noting, like, 26% of adults 18 to 29 get their news from TikTok, according to Pew Research, right? When I have made content about this on other channels, uh, I, you know, I have hundreds of replies that are things like, TikTok is the only place that I can find what I need personally and worldwide, right? Like, I've learned more about the world that I live in on TikTok than in the news, right? The way that it has empowered smaller creators and marginalized communities, right? Queer people, trans people, people of color, you know, deaf um, and hard of hearing communities, any community, people with disabilities. I mean, any because of like the niching down of the Internet, right? One of those things, it, the the results is that people in those niches are amplified, right? I didn't know how to pronounce Maori 
correctly until I saw a bunch of TikToks about it, right? And like, that's still my best guess and my best approximation of what I was taught. But like, I don't know, I'd read the phonetic, you know, the phonetic, whatever, mm -hmm. what's the fucking, the phonetic alphabet? You singers always know what oh, this is and I, I don't fucking know what it, it is. Uh, God damn it. IPA. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Like, like the phonetic it's, I think alphabet. it's literally the infinite, international phonetic alphabet. Great. <laughs> Telling me what the pronunciation is, but it, it's different hearing it from someone. Right. Anyway. So. Yeah. I have this section here talking about like the best parts of TikTok and I only wrote down one thing in it, and, <laughs> but I just want most of my TikTok is music. And a thing that you know about me from the time when we spent a lot of time together mm -hmm. is that like for a large part of my life, I've basically, my identity has been wrapped up in my ability to like find new music. Yeah. Right? And for about six, seven years there, that just like came to a halt. Yeah. I was nearing 30. I was like settling into my tastes. And I think that's still true. It's not like those tastes have changed, but I've been introduced to new stuff via TikTok in a way that I just hadn't in 100%. six or seven years. I think for me even, right, um, who I'm a little more settled into my taste than you are, I think a little earlier, the ways that TikTok has me listening to whole genres of music that I never disliked, but never really like listened to in a dedicated way. And I'm sure that my my for you page is different in terms of yours. I mean, everyone's is. Mm -hmm. um, it's for you. <laughs> um, how many times can we make that joke in this episode? <laughs> Probably, Probably just at least two. one more. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> The way that like TikTok powerfully uses sound connected to video, right? Like that there are these you are hearing a song even if you're not like seeing music content, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Has introduced me to tons of artists that I never would have heard of before, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you and I went to a concert last time I was in DC because of TikTok. Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> we even saw Dan Mangan because yeah. I, I love Dan Mangan. I've been listening to Dan Mangan since we were in college and had kind of forgotten about him, right? He released a cover of Losing My Religion a few years ago, and that's maybe what I listened to the most. <laughs> um, and then, but that was it. And then he started posting on TikTok and was like, hey, I'm going to be doing a concert. And yeah, came to DC and we went to that concert. That is, I would say that is most of what, most of my TikTok for you page is, music content specifically right yeah. what you said is true that like music exists in non-music videos yeah. right but most of mine is artists posting music totally different variations right like when it was ratatouille musical that was what it was <laughs> right but it's it's been like random new indie folk singers it's been if i were a fish it's yeah. been <laughs> the best ever do it yeah it's been like wildly experimental musical theater stuff right yeah like, it is in the simplest thing it is a very positive force in my life if simply because it has like reconnected me to music and if nothing else forget all the intellectual bullshit we've said so far it would just make me sad to lose all of that yeah listen i love vine and I miss Vine every day. And I think that the art of the six second video is simply if you could make a six second video funny, you're one of the funniest people alive, like period. OK. And to the degree 
that those kind of videos exist on TikTok. I watch them all. I, I, that is the thing that I would be the most, like I needed, it's not Vine, but it's pretty damn close, you know? <laughs> I could have dropped my croissant. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all what those the chickens. fuck is up, Kyle? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, we have to not talk about Vine because I'll just spend. Uh, maybe we should do. Maybe we should talk about Vine. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a, maybe that's an episode. What's your favorite Vine? Um, I mean, like it's a classic, but I will say what my favorite Vine is. It's not surprising. It's Mary Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> She's TikTok famous. See, and like this is this is actually the the Vine stars became the mm-hmm. TikTok. You became the YouTube stars became the TikTok stars, baby. Right. The best parts of TikTok to me, honestly, are like those kinds of like comedic breaks but also i really have been struggling to find like my personal style and to see the styles that i wear styled on like fat bodies right because i am fat and i have on tiktok found a ton of creators who dress either as similarly to how i currently dress or like aspirationally dress how i would like to dress right um and And those like fashion pieces and like conversations about body neutrality and like mental health generally there. I have a long list of criticisms of like mental health content on the Internet, but like there are some specific creators who like I really like value watching their content um, on TikTok particularly. I have the same feeling regarding style and, and body and all that stuff. There's this one guy that I follow and he, I, I swear every time he comes up on my feed, I'm like, you're dressing the way that I want to dress. Like you're yeah. doing the things that I wish that I knew how to do. Right. Yeah. And so I'm just kind of aspirationally following him until like I start to understand like what he's doing differently, yeah. you know? And I, I don't know, like a thing that I complain about a bunch is that one, men's clothes are boring. So boring. So boring. <laughs> and Stop telling me that an outfit is a t-shirt and jeans. I know. Yes. <laughs> um, and two, the stuff that is interesting in men's clothing is not made for me, right? Yeah. They don't make shit in my size that is interesting. Yeah. And that is, like, like I, I said to my therapist the other day, I was like, if I got to dress the way that I wanted to, I would be the queerest person that walked into your office, mm-hmm. right? It's just they don't make those clothes for me. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean the most visibly queer person, right? Sure. <laughs> but like, so it's, I've, I follow this guy just because it like, it just makes me feel good to see someone like, doing the thing that I wish yeah. I could do. Right. Yeah. And like, sure, eventually I'll learn how he's doing it. And if I can afford it, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. T- to put up, to put a button on it, right. The, the upsides and the downsides of TikTok are the upsides and the downsides of every social media Correct. platform. Like the, okay. The discourse is terrible. I was on Tumblr in 2013. I survived right. the discourse wars. Twitter you still know? exists. <laughs> right. Like there is less and less good stuff on Twitter, but there is still a lot of good stuff on Twitter and there's a yeah. lot of bullshit. Yeah. Right. That, that exists everywhere. The, the bad things about TikTok stealing data, guess what? You know, Facebook very famously did the same things. It's called Cambridge Analytica, exactly. baby. <laughs> like, it, these are, I am kind of at this point tired of this. Idea, like, this is a pattern we get into with new online spaces where yeah. we treat them as 
for young girls and then, and therefore silly and useless and not worthy of our time. It's just right? about dancing. Why, why should yes. I care that they're banning the dancing app? Exactly. Um, and then they become big and popular and everyone's kind of like, it's a guilty pleasure. And then, and then we get into the pattern of like, it's normal. Everyone uses it. Everyone's there. And then we decide to demonize it for something else. Right. And then yep. all of the other versions of that complaint come back underneath that. And this time it's, it's Chinese. And with that, we're getting the dancing app criticisms again. I saw a really stupid, but interesting (laughs) conversation that was specifically talking about, um, do you guys, do you see the guy who, um, picks locks? Do you see the lock pick TikTok videos? Okay. So there's this guy who like does lock pick videos and some of them are real lock pick videos, but, um, one of the things that he's the most famous for is he's like, here's how you open this master lock. And then he just smashes another lock into it and it pops the lock because many of the locks that you can buy, like as a like as a, a consumer shit, you know, it, it was it was it was a conversation about like the Kia boys and the lock picking and how like theft, you know, about the Kia boys, right? Oh my god! You oh wait, don't know about Kia the trend boys. of stealing cars? Oh yeah, was this was Kia's... this like why Kia and Hyundai had to like do this whole like yes? I don't know, like information. But like thing? because people were posting videos about how easy it is to steal a mm. Kia or a Hyundai, right? And like how to do these things, right? And so the thing is, <laughs> those kinds of lockpick videos exist on YouTube also, mm-hmm. right? Like the same, like the content is cross posted in multiple places and. It is that TikTok is the app du jour, right? Like like you said, it is the app that has our attention in terms of offering this criticism right now. But it, it is worth stating again. You see the kind of content that you are interested in and the the information exists in other places on the Internet and the regulation of this information on TikTok will not change whether or not the information is accessible, it only changes, right, who the power is that has the control of the quote-unquote propaganda machine. There's plenty of American propaganda on TikTok also. Yeah. If I get uh, targeted one more military-related TikTok, I might delete the app altogether. <laughs> um, that has not happened to me, thank God. You know what? Living in D.C. really mm. harshes my vibes sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There is this like addendum that we've got sort of at the bottom of our notes that I do want to talk about, but it is going to feel like a little bit of a tacked on piece probably. Um, Something I think about, I don't know, it's no surprise. We've talked about it in like four other episodes is how it affects people that are, that are making things on TikTok, right? How does it affect people creating on the platform? People theoretically, maybe not always actually, right? Making a living or making some kind of money um, at all uh, on the platform. And uh, back to Hank Green, ever present yeah. in this one. Um, he, again, famously made a video whew, uh, over a year ago um, called So TikTok Sucks. Yeah. And the premise is that like the way that TikTok pays people is through a creator fund. And that is an artificially limited amount of money that TikTok um, can pay people out of. It's a pool of money. Therefore, the more people that are in the in the creator fund the less people get paid. Yeah. And, you know, that number can change, but like we'll never know if it changes unless they tell us, right? Whereas the way that 
specifically YouTube, if, you know, he's talking about this as a person who makes videos online. So the YouTube yeah. pays creators is based on a percentage of ad revenue, right? So that is a number that is always changing that is based on a percentage of the money that YouTube is making. And the way that yeah. I look at that is these incentives are aligned, right? Yeah. It, when YouTube makes more money, creators make more money. Whereas the way that TikTok, TikTok, TikTok has it set up is not quite the opposite, but those incentives are misaligned, right? Yeah. And it's because TikTok was not created as a place for that. They know them creating the creator fund was a response to complaints was not a part of their original business model. Yeah. I agree with that. And also a lot of people are making money on TikTok and see it as uh, some form of occupation. I'll go with that. Mm -hmm. Right. Not necessarily a job. I have a friend um, that I, that I, uh, find is usually correct about a lot of things and I trust their opinion <laughs> um, who once uh, when we were talking about these kinds of things said to me like, Hey, we kill creator owned businesses all the time, specifically yeah. brought up Sesta Fosta, right? Yeah. As an example of saying, Hey, a lot of these people are online creators and they lost their ability to make money in the way that they were doing before. Yeah. And, and, or, you know, I don't know, pick a, a random person that's done anything vaguely sexual, right? Like selling, I don't know, I don't know, selling carvings of naked people or something, right? On Etsy, right? (laughs) Etsy is actually pretty permissive, but, um, you know, those kinds of businesses get shut down all the time by card payment processors, right? Yeah. And that's something- Looking at you, MasterCard. Yeah, that's something that we've enabled (laughs) and that happens all the time. And their point was, like why is TikTok if that if that is the reason why is TikTok you know unique like why should i care about that when yeah. you know my business or or my friend's business is being shut down by Stripe sure um and i i kind of you know i see the point like i agree with the the grievance maybe yeah. right? like I agree with like, yeah, that sucked. And like, especially because it's happening to you directly or the people that you know yeah. directly totally makes sense why you would focus on that. But I see those as sort of, these are things grouped together that I see root causes of. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I dislike them both pretty equally. Yeah. I mean, Matt, it's almost like the actual problem in all of this is capitalism. We got there. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like it's, It's that in the last 20 years, companies have figured out that our data, our personal data and information about us is the most valuable resource that we can provide to them in pursuit of selling us products. And therefore, anything that companies can get their hands on, they want to get their hands on. And a byproduct consequence of that is that now countries also see like the like intelligence operations also see that data as a resource to make predictor outcomes it's capitalism all the way down right like companies figured out that our data is worth acquiring intelligence operations figured out that our data is worth acquiring um and right like the real answers here are addressing the different root causes right like I find it ironic that the thing that I that I think about and I use the most from my master's degree is when I studied, you know, social movements talking about 
upstream midstream and downstream solutions which are also like business terms things right but like always always we have these downstream problems in u.s policy that we're trying to provide midstream or downstream solutions to and we reject and refuse to acknowledge the upstream solutions which are all about dismantling capitalism and the ways that capitalism is harming us daily. So I'm going to go ahead and pin the restrict act on capitalism and um, call it a day. I think that's a great end. Big tuba meme (laughs) at the end of the show. (laughs) That actually worked out really well. I don't know why I'm saying actually. We're intelligent people. We're capable. We've done this several times. Um, (laughs) But that works out really well. Uh And do we know what we want to talk about next time? It looks like we did this one together so we could kind of go either way. Is there one that you Mm want to do? Mm -hmm. Is there one that you want me to do? I would be willing to do the next one, but I don't want to do it on any of these that are written down. I want to do it about the traitors, the reality show that Alan Cumming hosts. Never heard of it. Oh, my God. First of all, Sari from Survivor is on it. Great. Which is what maybe I've been. Anyway, I've been watching it the last few days. I think it's so funny. Is it traitors or traitors? Traitors. Traitors. Like, um, you've got it right. Okay. Uh, This will give me a good excuse to watch. There's also like an Australian version and a UK version. But it's like set at an ancient like alan cummings castle in scotland he wears a kilt the whole time um and it's like they have like games and all that kind of stuff and it's like kind of like murder mystery themed because there are murderers so there are like traitors who are murderers and can kill people Mm. like the like what's the sure like among us or like what's the game that we that that everybody yeah werewolf or yeah mafia yeah Yeah. it's it's got that kind of vibe right it's like you know uh the episode titles are like the game is afoot and murder they wrote (laughs) (laughs) there's an episode where they all like the the main challenge is that they get split up into teams and they have to like follow all these clues across the map to find one of their two of their teammates who have been literally buried alive for 45 minutes i like I it gave me a lot of anxiety to watch it. Okay, that's all I'll say about it now because we'll talk about yeah. it next time. So but, we're gonna um, go on a string of reality TV episodes. Yeah, reality TV. So we're gonna episodes, do the traders yeah. and then survivors. Yeah, or survivor. Um, yeah, survivor. All right. Uh, with that, we're gonna wrap the show up. My name is Matt. Again, you can find me at matthorton.live. AC, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet this week at uh, at AC Fachi on Twitter and at Fear the Future on TikTok. There you go. All right. We will talk to you all next time. Uh-huh.